No matter your niche, it all comes down to the fact that most will listen. Some may even take notes, but only a few will press the damn button. Join global keynote speaker and digital futurist Brian Fanzo as he brings you the secrets of those that have pressed that damn button and transformed their lives and businesses in ways that will inspire us all. Brian, over to you. Uh, this one, this one, we're gonna, we're gonna, both of us are passionate, loud, and uh, aren't afraid to talk. So uh, <laughs> uh, I like to say we might talk fast. It's your job to listen faster. So uh, <laughs> I've never said that to anyone before. Yeah, but, uh, well, I'm you're like, <laughs> I always warn people when I'm a guest. I'm always like, do not listen to the podcast at one and a half speed. Like I sound like Mickey Mouse, right? And then, <laughs> but sometimes when people are like, you're talking too fast. I'm like, go listen to my podcast because you can slow me down. You're in Arizona. I'm, uh, of course, I uh, live there. That's where my daughters were born out in Arizona. But uh, prior to graduating Arizona State, like your, 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 the, your title is the Chief Einstein of Events, which I like anyone who's creative and willing to put it out there and say, like, bring it on. That's a very title that says bring it on. I'm curious, like before college days, what would you, what was like your personality and what would be like the things you would attribute to that, like confidence and saying, Hey, this is who I am, you know, take it or leave it. Yeah. I mean, what most people don't realize with Will pre DJ Will, um, cause, uh, I started I like third DJ. party Will. Yeah. I <laughs> Uh, you know, only cool people speak in third person, right? Um, so, um, yeah, but I, most people don't realize is that um, I was very introverted, actually. I was very nerdy. It was, it, it, um, I was weird. I was, like, social, but, like, I didn't go out of my way to, like, talk to people. I was not, like, a. would get nervous when I spoke on stage, right? Like, I preferred small groups, loved playing video games, all that sort of stuff. And what most people realize, that was me. And I think it took for me to get into DJing, which then naturally puts you on a stage, which then naturally you have to interact with that audience, which like taught me to be an extroverted person that I am. And, but yeah, like, I mean, before, like, I think people always naturally called me a little bit of an energetic person, you know, like I definitely got diagnosed with uh, ADHD early on <laughs> as a kid. Um, and I think that I naturally always had my mind always raced and wanted to do different things, but I definitely wasn't, I don't think I consider myself like an outgoing person or an outgo uh, extroverted person uh, prior to being a DJ. That's for sure. Now, um, you know, and, and back then, like, I mean, uh, I don't even know how old you are. Like, and just for context, for those that are tuning <laughs> in, like we've had a couple, I've had a couple different guests, a couple of people that have known me for many, many years. Will and I, uh, apparently have crossed each other's paths over the years, but it wasn't until COVID actually, it wasn't until um, all of a sudden our worlds got forced into virtual that, I mean, it was like six phone calls in a row where people were like, Oh, I love what you're doing. You need to talk to Will. And like it, your name kept getting brought up. So Will and I, you know, we are, are, are fairly new in the hanging out, but I feel like in the last three months, I probably talked to you more than I've, you know, <laughs> talked to almost everybody. Right. So like, definitely, so give definitely. me a little bit like, so, cause like for me, you yeah. know, growing up, I, I graduated high school in 99. Uh, you know, like my my superlative was uh, most talkative, which no shocker. But but even when <laughs> my, I got, I was most spirited. So well, there you go. There See, you go. yeah. But, but even when I got most talkative, I remember coming home and being like, "Wait, my friends think I'm most talkative." Like the only people that ever told me I was talkative were my teachers, right? Like I got sent out of the room. I was like the the kid that like they're like, "He loves school. He just does not like learning. Like he will not shut up. He likes to talk a lot." And like I knew that, but like so like even when someone called me uh, an extrovert, I remember my freshman year of college. I'm like, "No, nah, that's not." me like i don't like forced conversations i don't like i get if i walk in a room and i know nobody i'm the guy that stands in the corner yeah, and they're like too. what so you're okay you're that same way so like yeah what 
so we and I DJed it in high school, but I DJed at a skating rink, you know, like yeah. that level of DJ. Oh, um, yeah, totally. I did that for about four years. So and I had the Tuesday morning, lights. yes, Tuesday morning wait in line for the to get the new CD, the, the one hit wonder to go put on, mm. you know, some quad city DJs or <laughs> you know, some some legit roller skating rink uh DJing. So, it. how did you how did you lean into uh DJing? Like, where did that come from? Yeah, yeah. So to answer your uh your your the question that is on everyone's mind too. So I'm 30 now in 2020. Okay. So uh, yeah, so I graduated high school in 08. Um, and so I got into DJing not uh, before because in middle school I was really into computers, building websites. I remember in like sixth grade I was making websites that most people wouldn't even be able to build now. And I was just really in building websites, being on the internet, and I was in like IRC chat rooms. And then um, I got into electronic music um, through um, a mix of a a dad of a fr- close friend of mine was really electronic music and gave me a lot of CDs to rip. And I, that's what got me into it. Um, you know, like when you hear Darude sandstorm for the first time, you're like, Oh my God, this is a, and beautiful music. Right. Um, but then I went, I went down the deep end. I went beyond the sandstorm and into like every subgenre. And so I got a lot of like uh, CDs from him. And so I got really inter- interested in electronic music. And I would say like, that was my fate. Um, that and rock are like my two favorite genres of choice. Okay. And so, um, Eventually, uh, I'm, it was uh, actually my uh, eighth grade year. I started listening to a lot of internet radio stations online, and like before, you know, Spotify, Pandora. If you wanted to like discover new music online, you tuned in to an internet radio station. You literally like connected. It was a stream of music straight to you, which yep. where the idea of streaming kind of comes from. And so um, I started um, my freshman year of high school as first semester. I started, said, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna start an internet radio station." I remember actually, it was New Year's Eve. Um, I decided to start up and I was already building websites, you know, doing blogging and things like that before, but I was like, I'm gonna start this internet radio station, try this technology called Shoutcast. I wanted oh, to yes. my own little server. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I remember and, Shoutcast. Yeah. And so Shoutcast was awesome. And so I wanted to try it out. So I like just set up a station, literally like, two people could tune into it because my internet was like okay, I guess. Um, and um, you know, one of the people would be me, and then the other <laughs> person would like probably be my mom, right? And so I started this internet radio station, and then eventually, like I was like, you know, I want to try to like save up some money. Oh, 10 bucks buys me a spot, a server for five people. So <laughs> I'll, you know, not eat lunch for two weeks and or like one day, and I'll like put that money in and like pay for the month of the server. And then, you know, those five slots filled up. And then I was like, Oh, they gotta go to 10. And you know, and then I started building a space this internet station. And I was like, you know what? You know, all these other stations have DJs playing live. Like I can find DJs. So I like started going to the internet radio stations and I heard a DJ. I'd like, but hey, come play uh, on my internet radio station. So, I, and that's when I had to learn like time zones because I would set the ah. schedule. And then I realized because like I, it was New Year's Eve, which for most people don't realize uh, too that uh, in Arizona we don't believe in daylight savings. Yeah, time. daylight savings. Uh, uh, living there uh, is a very interesting world, right? So it's really funny. I think it was yeah. What if, when, April, May? When does ever daylight savings yep. switch over? I remember that happened, and all of a sudden, like all my DJs were an hour late to all their shows. And I was like, what's going on? Why is this happening? And then I realized I was like, Oh, daylight savings time is a thing. And like, how does that all work? So yeah, I started basically doing the, the internet radio station and had DJs playing on it. And I loved inter- playing, but all the time my DJ said, Hey, like if you love electronic music, you love D- this radio picking music, be a DJ. And I was like, no way. Like I vinyl records, like how you beat match that it was so complicated, right? It wasn't like right. pick a software and do that. So I uh, ended up, uh, yeah, just deciding to start DJing actually because my internet radio station ran out of donations that were coming in because we were like the NPR model. Oh, right. and it, it grew to about like 150 people could listen at any given moment, nice. 125 or something like that. It was, it was pretty decent. It was a good little radio station. And, um, but I couldn't afford it anymore. And I was like, okay, you know, it's 400 bucks a month is how much it cost me. My freshman wow. year of 
high school. And so I was like, you know what? I need to like bail on this. I had like a little bit of money saved up from websites. I bought a DJ in a box kit, tried out DJing. I convinced another DJ to build his website in return for like, you know, I think he gave me like 10, 15 records, um, which were equivalent would have been like 150, 200 bucks worth of for sure. records back then. So uh, yeah, I got my first set of records. And then I remember just like falling in love with like, you find the song that you love and then you get to put it in the set. And then, you know, eventually found drum and bass, got, started doing drum and bass and then went to uh, end up transferring schools because I ended up like failing out of my freshman year of high school um, because like I was too fiz- focused on building websites and DJing and stuff and, uh, you know, internet radio station that like I ended up like failing like three classes. So I got kicked out of that high school, went to another high school and I came there and at that point, I was a DJ. So the first thing everybody learned about me was <laughs> Will the DJ. Right. And I think that's also what helped at a, a new bit school, in my right? Yeah. The yeah. Like, completely new school. One person knew me at the whole school. And, you know, like, so, like, you got to, like, reinvent yourself. And because I was a DJ, I think people naturally put you in that DJ persona. So, um, yeah, like, I ended up DJing my, like, you know, high school freshman dances and things like that that, that next year. And, you know, I think that's where, like, uh, the, the journey kind of began to become. It's so DJ. funny, too, because, like, so. You and I, we've figured out like pretty much each thing that we've done together. We have a lot of worlds that that combine, right? So like, uh, I my first, I always say my first entrepreneur job was Napster. I'm older than you, oh, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. So 1999, I had a T1 line into my dorm room, and no I could burn. I mean, I ended up buying six Gateway um, desktop machines, and I had one of those like shoe things that you put shoes in but i held on the outside of my door and you could put your money and your blank cd in there and then i would burn whatever you know 18 songs onto your cd burn you know take them from napster burn them and i would even make you a custom win amp and then when i was like really getting into like the 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 pizza money i would i would even burn i would even create a custom label for your cd that we could cool like Like yeah uh, cd cover oh yeah it was i mean it was and it was so much fun because because for me part of it was i was like that weird the only guy like I DJed at a skating rink, loved the skating work, worked my family yogurt shop, but I also like computers were my thing, but I was on the baseball team. I played roller, like, roller hockey, but I was a surfer. Like, so like, and that's the story of my, my background. And so we, we both have like that, um, not only love for music, but also, you know, like looking at kind of finding like that streaming music as, as, as it was an in, yeah, cause I even yeah. like credit, like if I hadn't discovered Napster and really like that aspect of computers, I probably would have just switched to media studies early on in my, in my college days, because the only thing that was keeping me there was like, Ooh, like this is making me money. Like I want to be a broadcaster. Like I wanted to be on TV, yeah. but um, I yeah. wasn't able to do that. Cause you'd be good at journalism. And I wasn't, my spelling, <laughs> spelling wasn't too good there, but I, I, you're also like, so were you born in Arizona? Yeah. Yeah. Born and raised in Arizona. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah. So for those that don't yeah. know, like I lived in Arizona, moved out there. I lived out there about eight years. It is a rare find to find yeah. <laughs> someone that was born in Arizona. Like it is, yeah, it, it sure. was interesting things. Like I worked for a company. We had like 400 employees coming had been there for a long while. And we had two people, two people that were born and raised like Arizona bread, <laughs> right? Cause it's like, you know, the Canadians come there for, for the winter. Um, Midwest has traveled there, you know, because of mm-hmm. great housing costs. And Canadians know, like, come down here because they're like, yeah, Hey, oh, summer yeah. homes. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it has like that beautiful, you know, for the, you know, it's, it's built on a grid, like trying to explain in Arizona, like it is the simplest city ever like everything's yeah, worked out sure. east west everything has like it's very in like this very unique way of course then they throw like the 202 loop on there and some other things that yeah yeah, yeah. but like, even oh, then like now it's even easier though because they all go around the city and they all like layer on top of yeah, each other now they do right like, when i was there do, like, yeah now it's like two died it was a dead end but you're like 202 it's actually just a straight line through the city and like the the 90s and early thousands 
<laughs> so yeah, it's, it's funny how all that, all that whole that world kind of, you know, changes. But I think what you said about like, you know, you were kind of put into that like box because it was like the thing that you were associated with and you're almost yeah. forced out of your comfort zone, right? You're almost like, well, if I'm going to get labeled that, I guess I got to be there. And there's like, someone's going to get on the microphone and everyone's looking at you, not because yeah. they've heard you on the microphone, but because the label they have associated with you, right? Like that's, that's, that's a, a definitely a connection point. But so on that side, you went to, and this was another thing. So you were rare that you were born in Arizona, stayed in Arizona. The other thing I found that was rare, um, even you know, at 30 was you went to college oh, and yeah. what you're doing in 2020 is associated with your degree. Like yeah. I don't know <laughs> very many people in, in, in my entire world. That's like, like I, I remember the very first time I went to your LinkedIn profile, I scrolled down, like, I wonder what he majored in. Like, and like did like the, you know, like, uh, Oh, I'm going to guess like, it's something like, you know, creative arts. So there's something, you know, like, and I was like, wait, wait a second event. What the, like you, so, so, so this is an interesting piece for me. And I think for the listeners, it was fun too. How the hell did you discover that event wow. space was what you wanted to do? Yeah. Uh, well I got lucky. Um, so I think, I, so most people choose their, 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 like whatever they end up doing based on their degree. I chose my degree based on what I was doing already. Um, so oh, for yeah. me it was, um, so the college thing was really interesting. So yeah, I graduated from ASU, Arizona State University, uh, business and special events management. It's actually technically I'm a bachelor of interdisciplinary studies and it's like, oh, you basically I, I'm a master at combining business and special events essentially. Um, but the, when I first started actually, so when I was in my senior year of, of uh, high school, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I actually didn't know I wanted to continue DJing and you know what a, I didn't know what a business or an entrepreneur was. And there's a kind of a longer story around that one. But when I was kind of choosing what my major would be, um, I actually applied for, luckily got an entrepreneurship scholarship, not through ASU, but through like a third party foundation. Nice. And part of my interview process was they asked me, it was like the final stage interview. They go, all right. So they asked me two questions that like changed my life. First one was a little bit easier, which was related to what we're talking about. I'll come to that one. But the other one was like really changing. They said like, do you want to continue run? Would you, if you get the scholarship, we continue running your business while you're in college. And I was like, holy crap, you can do that? Like, I didn't even think about like, how would I run a business in college, right? right? right. Like I was thinking about like this weekend and what gig I was doing or, you know, when I was going to play World of Warcraft next. Um, and so um, the other question they asked me was, if you um, get the scholarship, will you change your major to business? And at that point I was actually film. Um, because I really okay. like making videos and I always love cameras and video editing and stuff like that. And I had like a knack for it. Cause every time we did a school project, I make a video and get like a hundred percent on my projects. Nice. So I was like, okay, I'll be filming. And I was like, they're like, yeah, well you changed the business. So I was like, well, you're giving me like a full ride scholarship. I'll do whatever the hell you want me to do. So I'll change, <laughs> so I'll change the business communications. Cause I was didn't have enough high enough GPA to do bet, uh, bachelor of marketing, which is like, I think I wanted to do marketing more than anything. Right. Um, and, but I was like, I'm not, I didn't have a high enough GPA to do marketing. So I did bachelor of, uh, you know, communications. Well, the, uh, my freshman year, I failed brief cal or uh, in, uh, like pre calculus or it's just regular calculus, I think, like twice, first semester, second semester. Um, I had to do economics. I got like a C minus in economics, microeconomics, <laughs> macroeconomics was really hard. And I was like, wow, this is just like so difficult. And I thought it was just like, like the school had always been, but right. like, cause high school for me, like it was always a little bit of a struggle. I was like, I just don't want to do my homework. I'll just ace the test and I'm skim by and I'll get by it. But I think it was my sophomore year. I was like, I had to do calculus again, failed it again at the end of the semester. And 
right around then my sister came back from wherever she was, she was in school in Liverpool. Um, she was like, I'm going to go to ASU too. And by the way, there's this major called interdisciplinary studies. And I was like, Oh, cool. And she's like, yeah, you can do like two things brought together. makes, you know, a major. And she was like, yeah. And the best part is you build your own degree. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, you like choose all of your own classes that you wow. want to like, you know, really do it. They just have to be within those. It's actually two minors put together, makes a major. And so, um, and one of the best parts was, I think this is what sold me. I think they, said this is they knew i was failing calculus like every semester mm -hmm. they're like oh and the best part is the minimum math required is college algebra oh. and i was a rock star at algebra like i understood algebra i geometry like all those calculus when you start to get imaginary numbers i'm like cool that's what no i'm out peace yep. out um so i was like college algebra i was like i took college algebra like my freshman year of of high school like and i got like on 75 on it and even though i didn't do any homework right like um because i like aced all the tests so anyways long story short of it was i was like hell yeah i'm gonna switch over this major so um they had business and then they had special events management which asu has a minor in and it was yeah it was perfect um and it was so funny because you know like people would be like oh what's your degree and like special events management and business and they're like ha okay <laughs> like they like couldn't believe it. Cause they're like, yeah. that's what you're doing right now while I was in college. Cause I, so like, uh, for anyone who doesn't know my, my backstory. So I ended up continuing doing the DJing thing, started doing large scale productions, large scale, huge events while right. in college. Um, so it was literally like, it was like literally sometime. So what ended up happening is I would sit in the front of the class. Cause the, I was like really interested in a lot of stuff. The teachers would then know who I was or find out who I was. And they'd be like, Holy shit. And the next semester I'd be coming back and teaching a guest lecture on wow. it, like, which was like so cool. And I still do that in a lot of the classes. Um, and it's, you know, I, it, I think it was a validation of like, okay, this is what I should be doing. Um, and it was great about it too, is like a lot of my special events, especially special events side, they were like, they really understood that I ran a company. So like, I remember one time, I think I had an event on my final and I was like, I have to be at this event and right. you guys know how it is. And they were like, yeah, no worries. Like, well, like, why don't you go ahead and reconnect or we'll push your team date presentation date back or whatever it was. It was, that was a fun time. That, you know, it's crazy too. Cause like, you know, nine years difference between the two of us, like for me, like, I mean, like you said, you brought up a really valid point and it's a pet peeve of mine. Like we ask kids what they want to be when they grow up and like most adults don't know what they want to do tomorrow. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> kid, but you know, and like, for me, it was always like, what company, what do you want to get hired by? Like, like entrepreneur, like, and weirdly enough, my dad, uh, is an entrepreneur and he's been an entrepreneur pretty cool. much his entire life. Um, although he's always had like a business partner, he's always um, combined and he's in the candy business. But like for me, like I remember I was like, Oh, I want to work for ESPN. And then I couldn't figure out how that was going to work. So then I was like, well, I'll work for Microsoft. But like, even for me, like business information systems was technically what I was under. And they didn't have like a, a media studies or we're both PISs by the way. Right. We are. And, and the other thing that I thought was interesting is, like I ended up falling in love. Like I didn't like database. I didn't like economics. I didn't like, mm. uh, but I fell in love with web design. Now okay. I had the worst web design years to follow web design ever. So I graduated <laughs> college in 03 with like web design being like my strong suit. And wow. um, the amount of WordPress, any like non HTML hard coding I yeah. had experience on was like zero. We were on like flash and fireworks and like oh, hardcore. Times. That's what was when I was in middle school building websites. Like, yeah, yeah so see, was one of middle see, I'm getting out of college and there are people that hadn't gone to college that were learning the shortcut ones, right. That were yeah, like you, like, yeah, I was, I was building websites then you were to graduate college. I was, yeah. I was coming out with a degree or, and losing a job to the middle schooler that could do, <laughs> could do. Web and design. that's why I got out of web design too. I was the exact same. Way. I was like, I was like, I, when I started seeing kids that were younger than me, I was young. I was like yep. 13. I was like, 
holy crap, that's a beautiful website. Holy crap, he's 10? Yep. I'm like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. Yeah, especially because it ended like the, where the bar was. But I also think that's a, you know, it's an interesting piece on like finding your way, right? Because like the, the idea that like being able to see that, be working in it, proof of concept early on, especially during college is mind blowing to me, right? Like, I mean, for me, like, and, and even like where I was going to apply for a job after college. And then like when I yeah. got into the, the government, I was doing like cybersecurity, like, I had never taken a course in cybersecurity. I didn't even know what it meant to get a clearance. I didn't you know, like, I mean, I grew up in a, a, a slightly military town in Virginia beach, but like other than that, like my exposure to that world. So like for me, like everything was new. And so I'm curious when you're out of college, you're, you're kind of, Hey, I, I have a name in here. I'm doing guest lecturing. How do, how was that like initial, like getting your feet wet as it being like your full primary responsibility. Oh, yeah. How did, how did that kind of sink in? What were like some of the things that kind of either unexpected or expected things you did how to deal with? Yeah. I mean, like I was already pretty much well in the trenches at that point. Like, I mean, I was, it was, I was a full-time entrepreneur, like running a business that just happened to be going to college. Um, <laughs> in fact, when I, I was leaving, I remember when I was graduating, I was like, this is going to be so weird to not have another large commitment like <laughs> on top of this. And I, I probably need to do some reflection because I never really had a chance to do it or maybe like watch videos of like my interviews. But like if you watch like all, a lot of my like early, you know, interviews on the events industry and things like that, like I was still in college, like wow. I was still in like the office that was like a mile away from ASU. And like every day I would get done with class or a lot of times what happened is it was a mix. It was like go in the office at like 9 a.m. work, work, work. OK, I have class. Go drive to class. Come back. Um, like I remember, for example, to give you an idea of like how deep I was in the trenches. I remember the first time. A tr one of our trucks got broken into and stuff got stolen. I was walking out of a uh, Romanian class, which by the way, Romanian was like the number one easiest class at ASU. It was like five credits. And we just wow. talked about like Romanian culture. So I know so much about Romania that most <laughs> people don't know. Um, but I was, remember I was leaving class and I was just walking back. And I think I, I every time I get out of class, I would um, always like check my phone and see if I had any like messages. And I would always be, I think at that point we had Slack maybe. Um, so we were already chatting with people. And I remember calling my head of operations at the time and we were talking about events and we just done an event the night before. And I remember I drove the truck back um, that, that, that night. And, like we got back at like, you know, 11 PM at night. And I remember I called her and we were just talking about events and what was going on in the business and this and that. She's like, yeah, I'm just walking out. She's like, Hey, where are the base plates for this and this and that? I'm like, Oh, they're all still in the truck. We haven't unloaded the truck yet. I just left it in the parking lot. You know, and that was always never a problem at all. And I remember, I remember like, she's like walking up to the truck and she's like, Oh, that's weird. Like there's a strap on the ground. And I was like, I didn't drop any straps on the ground. And she, I was like, Oh, well, I guess we did. Like, whatever. She's like, yeah. Oh, this is weird. Like, why isn't there a lock on the truck? And oh. I remember like, I'm walking the, my car from class and being like having this realization this happened right and if anyone who's ever been broken into oh, knows how like terrible yeah. it feels and yeah it was really funny because i ended up uh yeah like i was very much in the weeds when college was going on when i graduated um it was almost more so it felt more pressure that like now i didn't have any i was no longer a college entrepreneur i was just right. an entrepreneur which kind of sucked because i was like you know i had all these awards like coolest college startup you know i everyone liabled me as a college entrepreneur so i was like now i'm just a normal entrepreneur i felt like really old all of a sudden <laughs> um you know i was like oh i have i have no excuses like i my my business doesn't do well i can't say like i was running it while i was in college so i, I think like the immense pressure kind of like rose with that um as well and you know i think it was really exciting too because you know, now I had been able to put a lot of energy into it. Admittedly, at first, though, because of the time constraint of college, I think I was really, really productive because I was like, I had to be. But then when I started having like tons and tons of like, you know, delegating and having free time, I like 
didn't know what to do. And I think that's when I actually bought a standing desk for the first time. Cause I remember I was, I think I was in the <laughs> office one time I was like leaning back with my legs up on the chair on my laptop and like being bored, like in the right. first like two hours of work. And I was like, Oh, I need, I need more energy into this. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna go to standing desk. Like, let's get on the productivity habits, that sort of stuff too. So nice. Well, you yeah. made me feel old because a, you mentioned a phone in college. I didn't have that. Um, <laughs> we, we had, we had pagers my freshman year, the razor flip phone came like kind of oh came gosh. out my, my sophomore year. Um, but I wasn't able to get one uh, because I had gotten in trouble in high school for having a pager, which they associated with only drug dealers back then. Like we, th- we think about it in retrospect, like you wanted to get people in touch with you at all hours of the day. Like you were a drug dealer and now we are like attached to our cell phones as if like yeah, the same people yeah. that were suspending me from school for, for that are like now use their phone, like everywhere they go. Uh, sure. And then you were like, Oh, Slack and like communication channels. And like, for me, that was like, you know, even the fact of like running a business while you're in college, like I was in a fraternity, I played college hockey. I mean, whenever I wasn't in class, I was at a fraternity house drinking or I was on the ice playing hockey, right? Like literally it was like, a, like I, I, I like trying to put myself in that like shoes of like yeah. how, how interesting, how cool. And it's also, you know, it kind of shapes a lot of what you're doing now. And, you know, I think one of the things that with people, when I were, they were mentioning it, you and I should connect was like, a passion for what we're doing, but also kind of a, a passion for teaching and a, and a kind of a connection for, you know, kind of growing the team. You know, you, you included me in a, a Slack group that you're kind of growing, you know, as far as like that idea of like what you care about the industry, a lot of the things that you and I have done together. So I'm, um, you know, like for those that are listening here and like press the damn button, a lot of this is like the things you're trying, right. And being a college entrepreneur and, and being that entrepreneur that you're at now. So give us a little taste of what your life is today with oh, yeah. endless and give us a little that piece of it. Cause it's going to help us. I think for the audience to really, as we talk about, well, you know, what the hell happened in March to our, our beautiful event space, but talk, <laughs> talk, talk set the stage of let's say January. I'm asking you, what does your business look like? Who, what is, what is endless events? Give me, give me the January version and we'll fast forward to now. Yeah, for sure. So I think it was like three years after graduating college. I, um, I, we decided to take the whole business remote. Um, so it was an active decision. Um, it was one we talked about for a long period of time, but they were like, no, we need an office. Our culture relies on us having lime green walls. Right. So we went hundred percent remote. Um, so that's a big part of my identity now is like an entrepreneur in the business and everything is that we, we very much like believed in the idea that you should work wherever, whenever you want to work. Um, and that we give a lot of autonomy and purpose, sometimes almost too much <laughs> autonomy. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Um, and so that was a big part of what we do. Um, so that's a big part of my identity as an entrepreneur. Then, um, the other big part of it is that, you know, um, when I was kind of like, you know, starting high school as a DJ and then kind of doing DJs with big productions and then doing just productions to like, you know, doing, you know, big productions for big corporate events with, you know, um, now with this big, like kind of publishing media arm of the company um, that, you know, we used to attract leads and business to us. Um, you know, the business has definitely evolved. And so for, for me now, like Endless is a very large scale event production company. It's all about technology and things like that. And, you know, even like looking at what happened since March, like you, you can even say like what I was doing in March uh, or, you know, January is the same of what I'm doing now. Um, and the only difference is that since March, now we're like, I have even more employees and more responsibilities and more bigger, the bigger events than I've ever, you know, dealt with in my entire life. Um, and I think the, um, the big part of what um, I do is like, now I act as like CEO 
of the company. And I hate that term. I hate like, you know, like it's kind of weird because it's the only way that like when you really need to just explain someone like, what do I do? Yeah. You have to say that term, right? Like even when I was hiring like my CFO, I was like, I don't want a CFO. I want just like right. someone who understands finance and can be like my partner in crime on the finance side of things. Um, and I think that, um, so very much so though, I roll, roll rely on that role. And that's one reason why I use a crazy title. Like the chief event Einstein is like, just keep it like unique and different. I'll do a little bit of everything, yeah. but now, especially today, like I have to very much get out of like before I loved hopping on client calls, helping push deals across the line. Cause of my you know, personality and, you know, I loved, um, you know, getting in the weeds of, creating marketing campaigns and building land. I could do everything within the business, but I now have to very much get out of that because we're scaling so fast that like I have to be able to help it grow beneath me. Um, Alicia, that's awesome. Alicia's here. Um, and so, yeah, so, um, very much. So today, the day in the life of will is that I work remotely. So I'm in my, in my home studio right now yep. as well. Um, and essentially I w- wake up every morning. I touch base with my team. I see like, what are the challenges I have? I try to help them fix those problems as soon as possible. And sometimes I have to rearrange my schedule, like cancel a meeting, move this thing around, whatever it may be to be able to really help them. And, um, a lot of what I do is, um, higher level stuff. I really try to stay out of client meetings, but there's a couple like deals I'm helping push across the line. Yep. Um, and then, you know, what's great is like now at this point within the company is that like, I've really stepped into that like higher level uh, leadership position that like I have to, yeah, get into this crazy amount of like delegation and everything like that as well. So um, how's that, how do you, how do you think that looks like for me? That's a struggle, right? It's a, a known, yeah. and I, I, I enjoy managing. Like I actually enjoy that aspect of it, but the, um, hey, I need to not be involved in that or I need to yeah, delegate. Yeah. Um, and then you even find the right people. Like how, how has that, that adoption been for you as far as like personally? Yeah. I mean, uh, delegation, uh, I think in the beginning was hard for me. I got lucky that like, I've been working at this now, this business has existed for 13 years, like, wow. right. Like, yep. which is crazy. Like to think uh, I'm 30 and almost half my life is dedicated to this. Yeah. That is wild. Um, so I think I got really lucky that delegation was, I, I learned it pretty early on. Um, And I think I fully like let go of everything and fully delegated it maybe three years ago when I was just like, I really like just push content out there. Like, I don't care if it's exactly perfect, you know, that sort of stuff. I mean, that's a big part, I think, of delegation. But um, yeah, for me, um, the biggest thing for me more so about delegation or like delegation um, is more so trying to teach other people to delegate within the business right. too. It's tough. That is I, tough. Uh, and, and I'm trying to think of like, I can give some like actionable tips on what I did. Um, I think one of the first things I had to do was just do it. Like that was like, I tell right. one of the so advice is like, like, yeah, like just go ahead and do it because then if, if, if it ends up sucking or they do a bad job when you delegate it, like you'll learn from that. You'll learn like most of the time I learned was that I wasn't clear enough in communicating, right? All like right. I didn't have a wiki for this. I didn't have a video tutorial. Um, my standards weren't high enough or I was delegating the skill to the person who couldn't do it or didn't have the skill right. set to do it. Right. Like I would say something like, Hey, I want you to like build this website. And then like it would take them, you know, twice as long as what it would take me to build it. And I'd be like, Oh, you know what? They don't know how to build websites. Like right. that makes sense, right? Um, and so that was a big part of the the delegations. I learned a lot by just going ahead and doing it. And I think the other thing when it comes to the delegation portion, um, and kind of like getting out of the weeds of things, um, was also understanding that everything was gonna be okay. And I think um one big breakthrough for me was maybe four years ago or so, um, I, uh, went on a trip with a group I'm part of called sandbox. Um, and sandbox is like 
awesome people under the age of 30, essentially, which I feel like I'm aging out of now. <laughs> and um, they, I went on, a, we went on a retreat in Panama and we went literally into the jungle in Panama and we wow. lose leading up no cell service, no electricity. We're going like middle of nowhere. Um, and not like middle of nowhere, like, Oh, Hey, you just walk over here. And you can get signal. It was like straight up. Like we disconnected for a week and I didn't, I got out and I was like, I hope the world's still there, you know? And what was crazy is at that time I had a personal assistant, um, and I think I hired her maybe a couple months earlier, but I remember just being like, yeah, just whatever you guys need, you know, you'll figure it out. I don't remember even prepping them. I don't remember being wow. like, if this happens, do this. Or yeah. I, just, I just disconnected. Which and I guess if you hired the right people, that, that can work, right? Yeah, totally. And what ended up happening is that like I got out and I connected with my assistant and she's like, yeah, everything's fine. Like there was one call where someone was like really urgently needed and they were like, and what I did is I found out I connected with the the salesperson or the account executive that was managing the account or could help them and they fixed it and everything was fine. And I was like, holy crap. Like oh, most people can't imagine leaving for a week and disconnecting a hundred percent and like the world not burning out around them. But I think I learned that in that, that, that one week was like, oh, wow, everything's going to be fine. Um, not to say that it's easy. Like I still like all the time, like right now, if you were telling me, will, Hey, right now go walk away for a week and just disconnect from the business. I wouldn't feel necessarily that I couldn't do it. I would totally be able to do it, but I would feel like I'm doing a disservice because I have so much more energy to put in within the business right now. Um, specifically. So, you know, so you are an energy filled guy like me, right? We can't turn it off. Kind of, it's, it's kind of part of who <laughs> yeah. we are. Uh, I've learned that. Where do you, what do you attest to that part of your personality? Like where that, that energy comes from and like kind of the passion for pretty much everything you do. Yeah. I'll tell everyone it's, it's not caffeine. Why does everyone, everyone thinks like it's everyone caffeine. Thinks that, yeah. yeah. It's like, everyone's like, man, well, don't have an energy drink anymore. I'm like, I drink one cup of chai latte and that's it. Right. Like I mean, had lunch and I'm still probably at a high energy <laughs> level. Right. Um, so I think one thing that helps with it. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's a tough question. What is the tribute to the, the like, energy? do you have like, so um, like, I get, I get, you know, it's not even like a routine. Like I'm curious from a standpoint of like, is there, is there, is there like a, a mission or a passion or a purpose, like a, a, something that's like a driver or is it more of like, you see the, the steps on things where you're going? Like, what, what do you, what do you yeah. use in that, in that vehicle? Yeah. I think, well, one of the things I want to say, like, I, I think that's, it's too generic to say like, oh yeah, my passion for my business is what right. yeah. 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 so energetic, but I don't think that's it at all. Like, I think that, you know, like if you were to say like, will like go into a park and learn how to play this new sport, you know, I'd still give it a ton of energy and have for a blast sure. and right. And like have a good time. I think one thing that helps is that I learned early on. Um, like, I think I got like when I was growing up, a lot of people would be angry at my like ADHD and how like, I'd be like really excited. I want to go or talk really fast. And like that got condemned a lot. And then I think what I learned early on was that like, no, this energy level, like people freaking love it. And if it's in the right place, right? (laughs) Yeah. If it's in the right place. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, like you don't want me like being energetic and talking fast at a funeral. Right. But like, I've learned that you, if you go like super, if you're super high energy, just show it. And people like, then love it and they almost feed it right back to you. So it becomes this like feedback loop For sure. of, of what's happening. So I think that's one thing that helps a ton with it. Um, another thing I think that helps a lot with the energy as well. Um, and yeah, like you kind of mentioned like, Hey, it's not necessarily about a habit, but like I can definitely feel days I'm lower energy or higher energy. But yeah. the thing that's funny is that like yesterday I felt really low energy. So, um, I'm, I was beating, uh, or to not last night, I finally beat it, but I was pl- trying to beat Last of Us 2, which is this like extremely intense, dark video game. 
and it's long. It's like 21 hours of playthrough, and I played it on easy, right? And so I stayed up like super late the night before to like 1 or 12.30 playing it before I was like, I got to pause. Like, I'll continue to play this up. And the next day, I was like, oh, man, I'm so tired. <laughs> but then it's funny that I did a, like an interview, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like really feel low energy right now. But people are like, you're still super yeah, high yeah. energy. Um, right. And so I think one of the things that helps with it too, though, is like, I think if I had done that, like every single night that I'd been exhausted every single night for like multiple nights, or I probably would start to feel like get grumpy, you know, be exhausted, um, all those things like that. Let me try to think if there's another thing that helps a ton. Well, I'm curious, actually, this yeah. is a fun way to put it too, is like, so I think part of the thing with that ADHD, hyper energy personality, right? When you're the leader, when you're um, executive, when you're an entrepreneur, you're able to kind of appoint that like the the question i would put in your and i'm just curious from your standpoint like today if will kern walked in the door would you hire that personality and that version of you and it's not really like it's just more of looking at it from like the executive like yeah. how would they fit into the walls of our culture do you think yeah. that you think you would hire that the will that came into your culture today yeah, I think I think I would. I don't know if I'd hire him to do my job I'm doing right now because there's a lot of like I also have to learn to counteract it, right? Like right. because yep. like I need to be a real like I'm a I consider myself a pretty good listener, but I'm obviously not allowed to judge my own character. But I feel like I'm a good listener. I feel like you know like I do a really good job trying to look at the holistic problems. But there, I definitely struggle a lot of times with sometimes like not being like my brain's thinking so fast that I've already found the solution. If someone's already halfway through explaining what the problem is, yeah, um, and that's definitely not always the best quality for like a CEO. But I would definitely. I mean, I'd hire Will to be a sales rep, hire Will to be a marketer, to be on camera, whatever like you need. I would definitely hire a Will to be able to do that. Um, as long as Will came with the life experience that Will has now, um, you know, but I, cause I've seen it where you have someone like personality wise, like Will, but you don't have the understanding to be like, when do you stop? And when yep. do you, you know, slow down? When do you like, you know, for example, like in a sales process, un if you took an inexperienced will and put him in front of a prospect, I might be able to get them really jazzed and exercise energized. But the secret power that I have is that I'm also extremely good at reading like body language. Right. I'm really good at like hearing exactly what they're saying to close the deal. Like all these kind of like natural other instincts that are not necessarily just energy that also helps as well. And I think that's what like, it kind of ends up having that mix of formula that makes me like my special sauce. So I'm curious. Cause like for me, I, I have that. Well, and I would say, it wasn't until like the last three years that I realized the only way that I could figure out how to make this version of me successful was becoming hyper self-aware, right? Like I felt like I knew who I was. I wasn't very self-aware, right? And that, like that difference of like to be able to know what you're good at and know what you're not good at, know your strengths. And even like to your point when you were like, you can identify low energy and high energy, like the version of me five years ago, I, there was not a time where I would associate like, oh, because I did these things, this was the result. I just wasn't very aware, right? And I think that's such an interesting power because I think the earlier you can become self-aware, the more successful you're going to be, right? Like it's like, yeah, a, it's like, anyway, it includes with hiring people, knowing how to, because like even being self-aware to know when I'm not talking and yes, sometimes the ADHD brain, you know, I'm ready to to, to say what's next. Like I, I started to become really aware, like, I'm going to learn body language because it's going to let my brain work on something. So my mouth doesn't have to run. Right. Like, so, I mean, some of the books that are on my shelf are body language books. I, I do the whole FBI Academy, like understanding like nonverbal cues and that kind of thing. And I think that's one of those things too, where I've seen that with you, right? We've, we've done a couple of virtual webinars together. And for me, one of like my funny things to do is when the people aren't talking that are like the thought leaders, like you and I have been on a couple of things 
it's fun to watch that person, right? And like to give like nonverbal cues because how good are you at signaling in a virtual world? Which let's face, I think a lot of the reason Zooms and Zoom fatigue exists right now is it's not Zoom or virtual. It's really bad meetings and are very <laughs> bad. Like we, we're not very yeah. aware of even like when we're not talking in a Zoom meeting, like what I challenge people are listening to this on your next Zoom meeting. When you're not talking and someone else is talking, look at the other windows and how many people are actively listening. Very few, right? And it's like in like the and like the fatigue comes in the fact that if you're not actively listening, you, it feels like it's a drain. It feels, but if you were all in a conference room, you're damn well would be actively listening, right? Like, yeah. and I and I like I saw that like with you in in some of these things that we were doing, like even in like the hackathon, right? Where we were we were both in this like massive hackathon. I think. There's like an element too of like, hey, I can connect and stay connected there, or I can do some things like for me, like, hey, I'm gonna learn nonverbal cues, I'm gonna understand those pieces, and I appreciate that, right? And and I'm curious too where you made the, the comment like, hey, my business now is you know changed for the better, you know, hiring more employees and stuff. But the event space, like, I just got off a call just before you and I started oh, this um, with, I mean, an entire group of speakers that are lost, that are just. Brian, tell me when we're coming back to speaking on stages and the questions they were telling me on what they were receiving from the event planners, the event managers was, it, it was I mean, it, it, it's frightening, right? A lot of it was like people were, you know, like sharing bank, how to go bankrupt together at the right spot, these event management companies and wow. these ones that have just like, and it, I, and it all started because I, I like bully said, I said, Hey, we're not going to have, I'm, I'm not planning on getting paid to be back on a stage until June of 2021. Like if I get it something earlier, cool. But like, that's how I built like my, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like that room, like the conversation just went, Roo. but one of the things that like really was interesting was a lot of people on this event space. And I, you know, like I, I, you know, this because I kind of told, I, I knew that like, Hey, I love this space. I've been playing at it from like a weird angle this entire time, but I wanted to come in and do it in a way that wasn't like, Hey, like come look at me. Cause I knew how that would look right. I wanted to come in and like educate myself, get to know the players in the game, figure out where my slot is. But one of the things that, that is kind of, I've found is there the change in this space is very scary and oh, yeah. rightfully so kind of, because I mean, events, even during the recession, a couple of things that are going on, like things did spin up in ways fairly quickly. There wasn't like this unknown of coronavirus with the unknown of like, you know, even sporting events like NBA yesterday is like 60 games. Like today was like, I don't know if we're gonna be able to 20 games, right? Tomorrow might be like, who knows what it was. So yeah, I'm curious yeah. when you think about it from like that entire space, especially with your experience, the production element is definitely different virtually than it is online, but there are a lot of the tech stack, a lot of the conversation. And, and for those that are listening, like, it's kind of funny. Will, one of the things that Will and I connected with, which I thought was really interesting was like, we both love tech. We love the tech stack. We can talk about tech, but we both believe wholeheartedly in you have to have a strategy first and a plan and a content and the tech will come in at the end. Right. And it's unfortunate this forced a virtual forced everybody to get tech. And I think it's a it's the easy out because when you force yourself to to buy tech or get on an event platform, something goes wrong. It's super easy to blame the technology and be like, see, it's not me. It's not my lack of ability to change. It's not my strategy. It's the tech, right? And we, 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 we all do it, right? Like we, we're, we don't know how to do something, right? We want to go kayaking. We, we buy like the find like the best place to go kayaking. We get an app. We go kayaking. We suck at kayaking, but we blame the app for sending us to the wrong, to the wrong yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And then, and, and like tech becomes that, 
you know, and it's not till the third time we uninstall it. And then we're like, wait, the common variable is me and my strategy, not the technology. Right. And, and you, like we and like, for me, when I say I'm a digital futurist, people are assuming like, Brian, you're ready to get everybody on AR, VR. You're ready. To, you know, like you want everybody to, and I'm like, I like to, like, I got Snapchat glasses. I got like my VR goggles behind me, but I don't look at any of that tech until the business makes sense. Right. And kind of that alignment. So I'm curious if you're like overall view where we're at right now, right? July of 2020, that event space, like the production space, Hey, live and kicking where, what is, what is your assessment of the lay of the land of kind of the rest of the event components? Yeah. Um, like in like next year, midsummer, uh, next month, next month, like, I I, mean, like, like just from an idea of like, where do you see people finding enough to get by? Right. Cause I think a lot, that's how a lot of this is. And yeah. where do you see people that are like, not treating it like a bandaid, treating it like, Hey, we're going to make this work and it's going to help us be better a year from now. Oh yeah. 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 So I think I like, I'm definitely on the, the latter side of like, Hey, like this is not a bandaid solution. Right. Like you got to kind of evolve with this. And I think that, um, this is where it sounds crazy because Will's like super optimistic. And like, I think I've been probably the most pessimistic out of the industry the most. Granted, I also a little bit benefit from the pessimism because <laughs> right. like, the more longer this carries out, the more busy I am and the more people need my help, that sort of thing. But I also at the same time too, was like, look, I want to prepare for the worst and hope for the best rather than the other way around. Um, and I see this t- scary thing happening with uh, between a couple of, of my event professional friends who are just like, yeah, I'm just like holding on with my PPP loan and I'm trying to like, you know, just keep my employees, you know, going and find some small projects. Like I rehauled my entire business. I like changed my website copy. I was like, this is, I'm not communicating well enough. I can help with this. I start marketing hard telling people I can help. I can help. I can help. And you know, I think like, it's funny because we give a lot of crap to a lot of event professionals who pivoted and said like, I do virtual events. And we're like, no, you don't. I would hire those guys a little bit higher esteem than the people who are just like, I'm waiting. I agree. I'm waiting because that what's going to happen, I think, is a lot of people are like, I'm going to wait. And the problem is that that's like saying here, like, uh, let's say, for example, that's like saying I, I build cars and OK, a robot just took my car. Like, OK, great. Like, you know, that robot's not going to come from my job. It's never going to change. No, you would immediately be like, OK, I got to like skill up or mm-hmm. I need to completely get out of this business. Whatever. Or like, you know, you and I like, oh, my gosh, people can make better websites than me. I'm out. I got to find something else and and run from that. And I know that's scary for a lot of people because some people have been doing this for a long period of time, some of which are legends, some of which have been doing this longer than I've even done it. But like, I worry that people are going to be, they're playing, they're waiting for someone else to save them. And like, we talked about this on event brew at one of our podcasts says like, no one's coming to save anybody. You're on your own. You got to figure it out. So if if you're waiting for permission to change or, you know, waiting for permission to go into a new direction, like, we're giving you the permission right now. Like this is the permission go. Cause yeah. there is, no one's coming to give you that permission at all. Yeah. And I think like, for example, um, here's a great analogy is that like, we've been hiring a lot of people. So you read a lot of like applications and we have a question that says like, what was your last job and why did you leave? And a lot of people are like, I was doing this. I lost my job because of COVID. I lost my job because of COVID. I'm like, whoa, okay, great. I think a lot of people are, no one is going to sit here, you know, two years from now and be like, why did you have a three month gap in your resume? And from March to like, you know, right. July, 2020, everyone's gonna be like, yeah, it was COVID. If you pivot your business and it doesn't work out and you fail anyways, and you were just going to sit there and do nothing anyways, which you're going to fail doing, no one's going to blame you and be like, wow, look, you tried to pivot. Yes. Like, I'm not blaming the DJs who are like, I can do virtual events. Like I, I found the software. I can help you do this because they're at least trying to do something. Yep. Um, should those should clients who have 
quarter million, million dollar budget events, be hiring those people? No, but yeah, I don't right. think anyone is, right? Um, but like, you know, if someone has a small meeting and they can make a thousand bucks, you know, setting up a webcam, making sure their Zoom meeting looks good, cool. That, like, let's do that all day long. But right. no one's coming to save you and no one is at all going to be disappointed with experimentation right now and people trying to do what they can to, to evolve. But better yet, the people who are evolving and changing and pushing the envelope, those people are going to come out of this and they're going to be the next top company because yep. all the other companies are kind of shifting now. And I love that. It's such a, it's a great, great way to put that too. And I think, you know, 2020, like there's no greater time right now than to experiment, right? Like we have like this built in buffer of like, Hey, we're all trying to figure this out together. Right? Like, I mean, it's everything from news stations to local government to like, I mean, literally everything you can figure out. And, and I would even argue because everyone has been so disrupted, we also don't even really know what's going to work, right? Like in the, even as much as we like believe we know what's going to work, I think there's a lot of things that, you know, we're going to see these, these approaches. And I, you know, we see in the speaker space too, right? Like the same people that were telling me, Brian, you're going to cannibalize your business. Why are you switching so fast? You know, I saw a Facebook ad today of a video with a guy that had like 47 virtual backgrounds that he was switching between. And he was like, I'm going to say virtual events. And I'm like, do I have a Facebook message from that guy that was literally telling me that was the dumbest decision I've ever made in my business. And like, to your point, I kind of was like, well, good for you for seeing the light and not like locking in and saying, screw you. Like she like, cause there are still people doing that. Right. And I think for those that are out there, I think that that is definitely, you know, it's, we are living in unprecedented times. Right. And it's okay to be, you know, not okay with that and feel uncomfortable and be unsure because the future seems so, but I don't think that using that as a continued excuse to do nothing does sure. no one a service, right? Doesn't yeah, anyone like, It's unprecedented time. So you shouldn't be setting a precedent for yourself <laughs> right. that you're only going to do this one thing or you're or only do what you used to do, right? Like, or, but yeah, too, like we've had this conversation as a leadership team a bunch of times. It's like, what does endless look like post COVID? And we keep saying this, we say, We don't know what next month is going to look like, let alone next year. So don't try to like set that precedent of this is exactly what it's going to look like. No one knows. No one has an idea. Anyone who tells you what's going to happen is, you know, yeah, maybe they're they're from the future and they actually do know, but like they probably don't know. And it's probably the best guess that's going to be lucky. Right. Right. And like, and it's so funny you said that too, because the virtual side for me as a speaker, I, you know, people saw me going all in and they kept saying like, Brian, how do you see this affecting your business model in 2021? I was like, no clue. And I don't even care to have a clue on that because when my business model comes back around where the option of speaking on a physical stage is back there and I have too much virtual business, I will gladly take on that problem when I get there, but spending time either not doing something or not, not, you know, not even, not even not doing something, but like using that as a, a path. Right. And like, for me, there was a big piece of it of like, I don't want to cannibalize the business and the momentum I've been using, but because I didn't want to cannibalize, it, I was like, what, where's my value extend in virtual that I could have never done somewhere else. Right. And I think even your path and your journey in like the entrepreneur side and like, like it's part of what this world works really well. Right. And this idea of like, it's not only being nimble, but it's being willing to like, okay, well, now that I see this, I'm going to operate it. And it's operating today without having to worry about, you know, hopefully where things go in the future, which, yeah, you know, sure. I, I believe, I mean, and I, and I think, you know, the conference space for me, when it, when it comes back full, you know, it's going to be gradual hybrid next year, I'm sure. And, but when it comes back, it's going to be 
more valuable, more dynamic than it's ever been in the history because oh, sure. we are going to learn so much. You know, speakers can be better. AV text can be better. How we present can be better. The style of conference, even how we interact. The word networking is going to take on a whole new meaning now that we know what, like, you know, the virtual networking that exists. And I think that's exciting, right? I think that's something we can all get, you know, kind of get behind. So, heck yeah. Well, so I think, you know, this is to me, you know, I appreciate you jumping on and dealing with the tech and also, you know, kind of, you know, this is a lot of, hey, we got to push the limits, try to put things out there. And I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, uh, Restream.io. So Restream is sponsoring and we're actually using the platform Restream to record um, this episode. You know, Restream allows you to to broadcast to 30 plus social networks at once. Thing I like about it is you can customize each one of those titles and descriptions for each platform, so you're not just blanketly putting things out there on every platform, or yet you know using hashtags on Twitch or YouTube or whatever it may be. Uh, but it also you know the ability to you know I sent Will a link, he was able to click on the link in the browser and pop in Boom. and record. Right, I think this is where we talk a lot about experiment. We talk a lot about trying things out. There's tools that are out there that are going to make this a lot easier, right? Like, and and I and I think this is kind of the beauty of Hey, we have great people doing great things. It's our job to kind of get that message out there. So, Will, I, I appreciate you jumping on. I appreciate yeah. you uh, joining. Press the damn button. Uh, yeah. For those that are listening, you'll see Will and I are doing a bunch of stuff together. We have lots of our worlds kind of crossover, um, really trying to help not only reinvent, but do some things. I'm going to include a bunch of links um, in the show notes of the show. Uh, Will has a great virtual event checklist um, that I have shared out, you know, back, even back channel to numerous people that are even hired me to speak. I'm like, you might want to do this because it's going to give you an idea what you have to do. Um, I also love give it give us a, the the podcast. I think you have what two or oh, three yeah. you're doing three of them. Yeah, three of them now. Um, I'm trying to like not be the host of all of them, so uh, <laughs> because I, there's much smarter people to be interviewing. Um, but yeah, we have event icons, which is our like interviewing the icons of the events industry. So it's a lot of stories, war stories, practical advice from you know events size of Coachella to you know Streamforce and beyond um, and then the next podcast is event tech podcast which is all about technology the news breaking tech you know like uh, learning about things like Thunderbolt 4 which just came out today hey. um, you know Ooh. talk about that and like how does it affect the events industry apps that sort of thing and then the third one is like our controversial one um, which is our opinion based podcast where four of us instead of having a guest or anything we just talk about the issues facing the events industry um, it's unfiltered it's our explicit podcast um, where we talk how it is and it's like one of those lobby bar conversations where you know like people talk about the things that no one else is talking about in the industry so um if you like the show the view then you'll like our show it's called event brew nice i like it i like it a lot and i was on event icons uh last month so you guys That's can true, yeah yes. I, can, I forget about these things yes, yes. <laughs> yeah you guys I'll, I'll include that note down below i had a great time uh on there talking you know from my space and it's funny too because you know i think as much change is happening there's also a lot of things that are staying the same and that we have to like fine tune. So uh, I, I love that. I love the podcast and, you know, I'm the same way. I just love putting things out there. I'm going to check out event brew. That's the one I haven't uh, checked out yet, but I love that unfiltered side. So um, thanks so much for joining in. Thank you everybody for tuning in um, on live. Thank you for tuning in on the podcast. Uh, remember, Hey, I think a great lesson from Will and this message here is that, um, nobody's going to tap you on the back. Nobody's going to tell you to try. No one's going to say, Hey, you should change. Um, you have to do it yourself, right? Uh, press the damn button, uh, take action. And if you needed permission, we're giving it to you right now. Start now. The best time to start was yesterday. The second best time is now. Make it a great day. Cheers. <laughs>